let's go. Westbrook is ready. I'm telling you, he's got energy this morning, and it might be because right in front of him is a fucking Reese's cup. Ooh. You learned a lot about the people of the internet this past week, didn't you, Brian? You West know Brooke? what I know about Reese's now? I, I feel that the people that love this candy, they're, they're first of all, they're mean people. Mean spirited. <laughs> They're evil. What was your mentions like? They're not very nice. They're not very nice people. I, I have people that have followed me since my rookie year tell me to my face on Twitter. I don't like face you. on Twitter. I don't respect you anymore. I don't respect your opinion anymore. These have been fans of mine I saw a lot of people years. saying that you had CTE. A lot of people felt like I've, I've had too many concussions. <laughs> that the peanut butter and, and chocolate deserve, to, deserve each other. I mean, it's been a bad week for me. It's been uh, a bad week. Speaking for all the people out there that enjoy food way too much. Yeah. There is this emotional attachment that we have to certain flavors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you got that one pizza, you take that bite, you're back to that one date you had back when That's you were right. 22. That's right. You eat that Mike and Ike and you're, you know, you're seeing Thumbelina in theaters mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. again. Reese's peanut butter cup is a flavor that we all have when we need a pick me up and we need a friend. Yeah. And you pretty much came out there and said, fuck your friend. It's a comfort food. Yeah. It's like your best friend, but it's oh, a food. Yeah. I, I'll say this. On the other side, there were some people that said, you know what? I felt like this for a very long time. Wow. But they were afraid because of, the, of my courage. Because of my courage to come out there and say, peanut butter and chocolate don't belong together. They were finally able to say, you know what? I feel the same way. Wow. And they have nobody but me to thank for that. That's incredible. So here I am. So here you You're are. You're welcome. You know, just separating. You're welcome. Separating You're welcome. chocolate and peanut butter. They don't belong together. I'm, I'm, what is this? What is this? Ah, get that out of here. No I'm good. Going, I can't eat that, but I want to. You're going to diet? What, I just I just made a bet with uh, McAfee. Really? Pat, Pat McAfee had so, me on his so podcast. So you're trying to lose weight. Well, because I just know I just sort of saw him like eating the ends of croissants and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to lose like 15, 20 pounds. So you're gonna go down 15 pounds. So we're gonna we're gonna compete. And now that I because the thing is, if it was just for me, I you probably wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do that's it. right. Because I'd be like, yeah, but I like eating food. Right. But now that I know that I'm competing against somebody, uh-huh. yeah, we're gonna go like vegans. So you're gonna stay focused and be I'm gonna disciplined. Go to I'm gonna go to the gym after work today. The gym. What? Fucking a. See, that's what always happens to people in workouts. They always say, I'm going to lose weight. They go straight to the gym. Don't put me in with those people. You know what I believe? This yeah, is but what I'm going to do cardio. I'm not, not lifting anything. This is what you do. Oh, shit. This is the easiest way to lose weight. I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to go to the gym. I never go to the gym, and I lose weight Eat all the time. Lot? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's part of it, too. But you have to eat somewhat healthy. But instead of eating the whole portion... Just eat half of what you normally have, eat. Yeah, but I can't do that. You have to have some self-control no. well, and to my, lose weight. And you have my, to have self-control. And what I've learned is my self-control is putting small portions in front of me. That's what I'm saying. Eat half. Yeah, but I can't know that there's more in the fridge. Wow. No self-control, man. None. You're, but you're stronger than that. That surprises me. Because it seems like you would have self-control. I do in almost everything in my life. But the except food. Except food. Like, when I would be in former relationships... Uh, when those people would go out of town, I would eat yeah. like a motherfucker. That's a man thing. That's not a, that's okay. not a, that's okay. not a, that's a man thing. Yeah, yeah. Like when my wife goes out of town, oh, pizza. Sometimes I eat a little fast food. Yeah. Oh, nachos. Dude, a few months ago on this podcast, we were doing eat like a homie. Yeah. I was doing great. Yeah. Yeah. And then I fell off the wagon. 
Football season, man. Football There's just season. so much stuff going on, That's and true. you're working so much. I just started eating crazy. You're right about that. Uh, how was uh, the Eagles game Sunday? The Eagles game was other than an absolute. First of all, it was down. boring, and it was also surprising. Surprising okay. because I thought the Eagles' offense, who I think. I felt like they gained some momentum from the Green yeah, Bay game. No, no I thought they would just go out there and just bash the Jets. Even though the Jets have a pretty decent defense, yeah. I just thought that they would overwhelm them and just go up and down the field. No. 14 points for the offense. Yeah, two I defensive touchdowns. I wasn't, I wasn't impressed by that. No, that's that's why my confidence meter is probably like, it was a 6.9 for the last two weeks. I'm probably like a 6.7. Mine is return to the range of 5.6. It was, it was a much lower. Yeah, it's come back up to five point six. I'm concerned. They got Man, three, stink. three tough games ahead, and it all starts. And that out. offense has not looked great. However, defense has looked a little better. All right, so I want to get right to something I'm very excited about. You guys blew up our mentions. Uh, you were texting me, and all of you said, "I love Dolphin Tank. It's my favorite thing. It okay. was a lot of fun." So I don't even want to wait anymore. Let's get I, after I, it. Look. Last week, we bought some interesting things. Uh, you were not sure about Tampa Bay, and guess what? You were right. Tampa Bay went out there to New Orleans, and it didn't work out. I'm surprised by that, though. I, I, I had a feeling that Tampa Bay would figure out a way to score 30-plus points. And even though the Saints' defense has now proven that they're actually a little bit better than I thought. I am more emboldened with my take, that this, that, and this was one of mine, that the Saints are going to the, to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They're 3-0 and mm-hmm. without Drew Brees. That's right. And I am now 0-3 in the Super Contest betting against the Saints. Yeah. I'm not fucking doing it anymore. I wouldn't do it if I was you. Their defense is so good. Good defense. But I'm trying to figure out what were my other ones that I tried to sell you on last week. So uh, one of them, of course, was the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Panthers having a top-five defense, and they looked pretty good up against Jacksonville. And the Saints are the best team in the NFC. And I, I think, you know what? Two for three. Not bad. I think so. But uh, it's time. Is it the time? second installment. Let's do it. Of Dolphin Tank. Welcome back to Dolphin Tank, where Lefko pitches his exciting new NFL investment ideas to venture capitalist Brian Westbrook. Dolphin Tank. It's a pun because it sounds like Shark Tank and the Dolphins are tanking this year. Get it? Okay. First up in the tank, Lefko has a surefire playoff team that always seems to be never the bride, always the bridesmaid. He's looking for a 15% equity stake in this take, and if he doesn't get it, he might just leave the room and destroy some furniture. Mm. Okay. I have a team for you that is a lock for the playoffs, and they're not the Patriots, and they're not the Chiefs, and they're not the Saints. This is a team that people are they're excited about, but they're not sure. And I'm saying that they're a lock. Mm. Okay. This team, are you looking at the teams? I'm asking you. How I'm looking at the teams. I mean, I have I to have a you, vision and I, and of I want the you teams. To, I want you to put it away. Okay, go ahead. Let's go. All no, right. no. Go. Go. Okay. This team is four and one. Don't okay. fucking look. I'm not going to look. Go ahead. So they have four wins. Okay. This team still gets to face at home the Jets the Washington Redskins, Mm -hmm. and the Broncos. Fair to say that's seven wins, possibly? At least. Okay. This team also gets to face the Dolphins twice. That's nine wins. Yeah. Are you buying my team as a lock for the playoffs? So there'll be a wild card, right? So they And I haven't even told you the other games. Yes, I mean, they're a wild card, and they're in the AFC, right? 
Have to be. I'm just going to give you it. They have to be the Bills, right? So I am saying the Bills okay. are a lock for the playoffs. A lock. Not fighting for a wild card spot. Let me read that one more time. The Jets. What do you mean? What do you mean? They're not fighting for a wild card spot. I'm saying that they have to fight for a wild card spot. But what I'm saying is, is they'll be like the Chargers were last year, where they're like the five seed and it's clear, and everyone else is fighting for right, six. right, 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 right. Okay, so they have four wins. Mm-hmm. They still have the Jets, the Redskins, and Broncos at home. Right. The Dolphins twice. They still they get the they get Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh mm-hmm. with whatever that quarterback situation is. Mm-hmm. They get the Ravens at home. Yeah, that's winnable. Yeah, I think that this is like a minimum nine win team. I think I think you're about right. I think, I, think they, that, I think they win between eight and nine games. Yeah, and I think and I think wild, it slide to ten if something lot. crazy happened. Yeah, I, I can believe that. You're buying this take. I, I would buy that. I'll, I'll buy the bill because listen. Again, in week five, you I have a it. you have a defense that's going to play lights out. You have a running young running game that I think can continue to evolve. But you also have a quarterback when healthy has the ability to throw the ball and run, and that's important, especially playoff time. You need a defense to be off balance and to be thinking about a lot of different things. A quarterback that has the ability to run, we saw it last year with Lamar Jackson, changes the dynamic of football games. The Buffalo Bills, whenever they would miss the playoffs would lose that game to the Titans. Yes. In terms of Mm -hmm. they go out there, they beat the Patriots, they come back the next week. Now, I will say this, for people that didn't watch the game, the Titans missed four field goals. Yes. Cairo Santos went over four. Yeah. But the Buffalo Bills were still all over Mariota, and it's very important to me that the defense travels. Yes. Sometimes these zone defenses that are really good underneath, they get shredded when they go on the road. A little bit of that's Mariota. But I, I, I don't think people look at the, the schedule enough. Like, I look at the Jets right now. I, this might be the best thing that's ever happened to Sam Darnold. Because when you looked at the Jets' schedule before he comes back, mm-hmm. those first seven weeks were absolutely awful for the Jets. They were playing the Bills. We now know it was a great defense. Good teams, yeah. Browns, Patriots, Eagles, Cowboys, Patriots, Jaguars. So those first seven games for the Jets were going to be awful. Yes, yeah. yeah, right. But then guess what? Dolphins, Giants, Washington, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins. Darnold is going to come back in the second half and look great. And it's just funny because we always look at the schedules in the beginning of the year and not halfway through. And so the Bengal, the the Jets and the Bills, the fact that they both get to play the Dolphins twice. It helps. Absolutely. It's enormous. No Easy. other team has that. That's right. I think the Bills right now, because of their schedule, have a front row seat at that five seed in the playoffs. Well, I, I think uh, the schedule certainly plays a big part in it. But I just think when you have a defense that can go anywhere, especially when you're a wild card team, that can go anywhere and gives you a chance to win, you add that to a quarterback that can move around, that gives that puts you in the game at every turn. So at halftime, if you're on the road, it's yes. 14 to 7, and you're down by 7, you're in the game. You have a chance to win, especially if your defense gets a timely turnover. Yeah. A great opportunity for the Bills. And the last few weeks, they've done it without Devin Singletary. That's right. He hasn't played. No. Who I think is a phenomenal dynamic back to mm-hmm. join with mm-hmm. Frank Gore. Should be interesting. All right. Frank Gore continues to get it done, which is. He's the man. I, mean, I think he's averaging close to five yards a carry. All right. Next up on Dolphin Tank. Next into the tank, Lefko believes a certain team may just be the most underrated squad in the NFL. He wants $5 million in exchange for a 0% equity stake because it's his show and he's allowed to ask for outlandish things. That sounds about right, too. Are you interested? I, well, I'll tell you this from the beginning. I have a problem with the whole premise of this doggone dolphin tank thing. Why? Because I don't get to ask questions about the team. You tell me these non-existent, remote, no-context stats... And I just got to say yes or no. 
Yeah, it's called media. Well, well I mean, I need to be able to overreaction. Ask, I need to be able to ask questions, like, hey, like well, a real venture capitalist. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go. Okay. And I, I won't ask questions. Just to no, make, you can no, ask questions. I just don't like when you look at the teams. No, I can't look at the teams. The list of the teams. Because I think I'm it's, not looking at the record. I'm looking at the list of teams. That's okay, it. Okay. Okay. I have a three and two team. Okay. That everyone wrote off before the season even started. Okay. The two teams that this team lost to are combined seven and three, and one of those teams is the Chiefs. Mm, okay. In this team's three wins, their quarterback was sacked just one time and lost zero yards. Mm-hmm. And this included playing against Von Miller and Khalil Mack. Okay. I believe they're the most underrated team in the NFL. What do you think? Zero percent stake, five million dollars. Ask whatever I, questions you want. Okay. So we always talk about defense. How is there their defense or quality? Can they defense get out through the quarterback? Average. Can they get out through the quarterback? Their defensive line, they're able to get some pressure with just their front four, and their defensive line is really good against the run. Any injuries, especially to the secondary? Uh, a major injury on their offensive line that people I don't think realize. Uh-huh. There are injuries in their secondary, but their secondary has done pretty good. Okay. Turnovers. Next question. Turnovers. Last question. Turnovers. How are they on turnovers? I'm going to look it up right now. What's luckily, the turnover ratio? Luckily, I have the beautiful uh, NFL Jesus. Uh, right now, they are uh, minus one. So they, okay. they have six giveaways, five takeaways. Okay. I will. Th- this sounds like a playoff caliber team. Possibly. But it's a wild card team. That means, that means, when I say that, that means, let's just say they are. In the AFC West, and they're the doggone Raiders. Yes, right? they are. That's exactly what I'm talking. Well, perfect. They have a chance to make it, but you know, there's some other things. Obviously, the the, the Chargers are going the wrong way, and they have a tough schedule ahead. I think that the the Raiders have a good core of guys, and they're getting great contributions from the running back, and that starts to allow that offense to kind of roll downhill. I think Tyrell Williams is going is a stud. I really, he, really do. He missed this last and game, he didn't and he play. still won. And they still play. So I, I just I think that the Raiders, as they're not are a lot. buying them a little bit? I would buy them, absolutely. I, I think that I would buy them. The, the Raiders, to me, are this team that, because of hard knocks, because of Antonio Brown, when he left – I think everybody crossed them off their in their minds and right. said, we don't need to worry about them. I think that people felt that way even before the season started. Mm-hmm. But I, I've always thought the Raiders were a positive regression team that could bounce back this year after last year. The other thing is, too, is when you look at their games, they went to Indianapolis, same Indy team that we just saw beat the Chiefs, yeah. and pretty much beat them a lot more than that 31-24 uh, Physically beat them, like beat them. Physically. Yes. Beat them up. Then they play Chicago, and they physically beat them up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, not only did Khalil Mack not get a sack, that offensive line for the Raiders was pushing them around the entire game. I know because I bet the Bears. When you bet a game, you're watching everything. And I wrote down in my notes four or five times, the Raiders are doing whatever they want. The Raiders, yes, they ended up winning that game barely. They had a drive where they went all the way down to the one, and then a backup wide receiver, Trevor Davis, that used to be on the Packers, fumbled on the goal line. Mm -hmm. So they could have been up by two scores. But the thing about the Raiders that's so interesting is they lose Vontez Perfect. Their defense is okay. They lose Antonio Brown, they make it work. Richie Incognito was suspended for the first two games. Comes back. That's right. And guess what? 
I believe possibly their best offensive lineman, Gabe Jackson, when he gets back in about two, three weeks, this offensive line that has Trent Brown, that's a monster, Colton Miller, who's playing pretty well as a first-round mm-hmm. pick, Rodney Hudson, who's a stud, Richie Incognito, which is a mauler, and now they're going to get Gabe Jackson. Like I said, in their three wins, Derek Carr has been sacked one time for that's no right. yards. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs has holes every single play. I want to formally apologize because I talked about how the Raiders were going to get their ass kicked in London and all the Raiders fans jump in my mentions and say, are you going to apologize? Let me just say this. (laughs) Fucking a, of course, like, I, I hope you got, and maybe it's like new listeners that I'm not used to. We believe in self-scouting. That's we right. believe in admitting when we were wrong. Self-assessment. And and I am not one of these media people that's going to go up there and be like, no, fuck you. It was against Chase Daniel. No. The Raiders' offensive and defensive lines are deep, and they are powerful, and they are angry, and they are mean. And if you are not ready to play them, they are going to punch you in the face. And the NFL is better when the Raiders are good. And I'm loving what I'm seeing. You, right. you said something that's so important to the NFL in general. Winning in the trenches. Offensive and defensive line. If you can win there, you got a chance. As long as you don't turn the ball over, and the, the couple of losses they had, they're turning the ball over. Derek Carr is throwing the ball to the other team. If you can win in the trenches, you got a chance. You add a running game to that, you got a chance. You got a defense that's not giving up big plays, you got a chance to win. The good part for them is that they're in a division where, you know, they're not going to beat Kansas City, but they can beat the other two teams in the Oh, division. yeah. Absolutely. And so they're, they have an outside chance at getting to the, the wild card. The other thing is that John Gruden, and people make fun of him all the time and think he's a TV uh, TV personality, things like that. He has a good way of rallying those troops. And I think he has a good relationship with the guys on the team because he did back Antonio Brown until it was just too late. Yeah. You know, he did put this team in a situation. Obviously, they understand he, he let Khalil Mack go last year. Big mistake. However, these guys are saying, listen, we got some draft picks out of that. Now we have to go for it and win. They're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Everybody else said, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to get it done. This team is playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they've played very well. Six interceptions, excuse me, six touchdowns, three interceptions for Derek Carr. I, I said after the first game, if Derek Carr could play like the Derek Carr that we saw yes. before the leg injury, this team has a chance. He's getting there. He's playing better. He has over 72% passing completions. And as far as his passing goes, that's going to help you a lot, especially in this offense. The thing that excites me the most is so John Gruden was the guy that what now Kyle Shanahan obviously learned from his dad and but yeah. Sean McVay came under Gruden. Kyle Shanahan worked under Gruden mm-hmm, for a long mm-hmm. time. And I saw a few plays yesterday against Chicago where the whole offense ran right and the tight end ran left and he had all the space in the world. Yeah. Gruden is still able to dial up a player to every drive that catches the other team off guard. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of penalties yesterday and we're going to get into these refs because I believe right now we're we're in the worst era of of refing that I've ever seen, and I know that it's it's hyperbolic, but I feel. <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm gonna say I, this. I'm so fucking annoyed. And the thing is, man, is this industry went from a billion dollar industry to a multi billion dollar industry mm-hmm. now that betting is so big. And I'm just letting you know that when there's money in all these games, and I got Walt fucking Anderson doing the Steelers-Ravens game, and he's calling, like, I bet on the Ravens, and I'm just going to let you know, the only reason the Ravens went to overtime is they called a rough in the passer on the Steelers that was embarrassing. That was a terrible call. 
this Al Riveron protecting the referees by never challenging anything and saying that's the call on the field. The referees on the field don't know if they're supposed to blow the whistle or go to the review. And because they didn't blow the whistle, Al Riveron goes, well, we're not going to overturn it. But the only reason they didn't blow their whistle was to let you review it. We are in this middle ground of bullshit right now. Mm -hmm. These referees, a few of them are in their upper 60s. And I don't want to be an ageist, but I'm saying not only are you not physically able to probably run as fast as you should, but also you covered the NFL. You were refing it 30 years ago and the rules are so different. What are you seeing? The speed of the game is so different. They can't get new referees because they're they're not full-time jobs. They're not paid that much and all you're doing is getting ridiculed but all I'm saying is every fucking game I'm watching the calls are awful. The offensive pass interference, the defensive pass interference that are being called and they're not being called and the roughing the passer it's awful. And I know it's an easy rant to go on every year, yeah. but with Al Riveron and his team coming out every Monday and going, everything was great, we're not having the time to sit down and evaluate it. Well, they're lying to our face. Here's the thing about the referees. First of all, you're talking about a billion-dollar business, multi-billions of billions of dollars business. Why aren't the referees full-time? That, that, that does, just doesn't make sense. And I know it's hard. You, they only work on one day a week, but they should be full-time, first no, of all. make them full-time, that, and then simple. in the off-season, guess what? Fucking go to boot camp every right. fucking week. Yeah, and they should be in shape, too. So that, that's one thing. But I, I really believe that the refs are in a bad position. I think they're in a bad spot because the NFL is saying, okay, well, here's the rules now, and we want you to kind of judge a little bit different in the playoffs. And Oh, oh, it's preseason. Judge it a little bit different. Do all these different things, but still all play by these one set of rules. I think they're in a bad spot. Oh, don't blow the whistle, then we'll just review it later. I mean, and so you're going against your natural instinct. And so just like a player where you want your players to just go out there and be natural, just be instinctual. Now the referees are thinking, is this a penalty? Is it, is it a flag? And should I blow the whistle? And so they're confused. And now they're saying, let's go to replay. The biggest problem that I have with the refs is simply this. You go to replay. Now you have everything in the vacuum. You know the situation. Yep. Time is stopped. Yep. Just get it right. And they still fuck it up. And they still get it wrong. All the time. That's the biggest problem. Now, I listen, I, I'm— Jason Garrett, who all he does is clap— Oh, took yeah, a challenge off. flag and threw it down and started yelling at the guy. That play wasn't close, though. That Bruce wasn't even Arians, close. Bruce Arians almost had a heart attack on the sideline. Yeah. Mike Tomlin was sitting there dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. These coaches are so confused right now. It makes no sense. I'm going to show you one clip on my phone of something that was ruled an interception yesterday by Devin Bush. And the reason it was ruled that was because that was the ruling on the field. Okay. Tell me if this is a catch. No. No. It was called an interception. Of course it was. There was there were six plays in the Ravens-Steelers game yesterday where I just sat there and was like, they, they know the spread. Like, they know the spread. Like, every time the Ravens start going up a little bit more, oh, there was one play where Deontay, Deontay Johnson, okay, went – and then he took two steps, and the ball popped out, and it went out of bounds. And then they ruled it a catch, and it was clearly an incomplete pass. And then if it was a catch, then it's a fumble. Right. Like, 
I'm so angry every t- every Sunday. I, I just kind of feel so like the reps, bad. the reps, they're they, man, you're just so confused. Things are changing all the time, and I think you have a point as far as the age of the refs and what was going on 30 years ago compared to what's going on now. Not that they can't adjust, but it's it's hard to see it. You're seeing it totally different, and it's hard to keep up with. I mean, how many times do you hear the specialty ref in the booth who was probably a referee for, for 20 years right. that gets up there and goes, well, this is clearly incomplete, uh-huh. and then it's complete, and they're like, I don't know what they're doing. I've heard it in every game. Every, game. every week. It every happened game. on Sunday night with Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. All right, I need to come. Same now. thing. All right, last uh, Dolphin Tank. <laughs> Lefko is pitching one particular player as the number one offensive weapon in the NFL. Spoiler alert, it's not John Franklin Myers, who both plays defense and is injured. In exchange for a 50% stake in this idea, Lefko is looking for $10. Because it's not about the money, man. Always about the money. Uh, Always about the money. That was good. Uh, This player, no matter what position, is the best weapon in the NFL. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of rushing and receiving yards combined, number one in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He has two games where he's had over 24 carries. He has two games with 10 catches. He has two of the five longest rushing touchdowns in the NFL this year. He can score from anywhere. And right now, he is on pace to outgain Chris Johnson. He has the NFL record for 2,500. This guy's on pace for nearly 2,800. Mm. I believe this guy is the best weapon in the NFL. And you know who it is. You know who it is. Christian McCaffrey. You know damn well it's Christian McCaffrey. I'll, I'll say this, I, and, and I'm, I'm buying that all day long based on everything that the I'm best saying. best weapon. I, I, I'm buying that all day long. And I owe Christian McCaffrey an apology. Tell him. Because, Christian, I'm sorry. There was times where I saw your game coming out of Stanford and I didn't see it evolving into this. I didn't see you put on 15 pounds and becoming this running back. I didn't see you carrying the load 25 times a game. And we knew you could catch out of the backfield. I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. I didn't see you doing this, running the football and catching out of the backfield and basically carrying this football team. This football team is 0-2 with Cam as a quarterback. They've been 3-0. and Since Cam has been out, they're 3-0. and and He's averaging 141 rushing yards mm-hmm. per game. Yeah. He has five touchdowns total in those three games, and he's averaging six yards a carry. I didn't I didn't see it coming. I didn't see him. And, and I'll tell you one thing that I saw coming out of college. I saw he looked a little stiff. There was kind of a situation where he was a little stiff and, and not able to change gears and, and make people miss a little wiggle. He has that now. I saw it. I watched all of his runs yesterday. And the little wiggle, he has that. So he's making people miss at the second level. That's, that's an extra three, four yards if, if someone tackles you. That's an extra long run because he also has the speed. He's, you know, he's not changing the game. He has changed who he is as a player. He's gotten much better. And a couple of weeks ago, I would have taken Alvin Kamara before I took uh, um, Christian, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. But now, I don't know that Kamara could carry, carry the load offensively as far as running the same way as McCaffrey can. So I would take McCaffrey. So, yeah. That was a good rant. Everything that, that he's doing right now looks good. Yeah. And that's what you want out of your running back. That's what the running backs are all trying to be these, these days. It's it's incredible to watch. I always ask this question. If if Belichick could go around the league and steal one player from every team, mm-hmm. who would be the guy he steals? Yeah. He goes to the Rams and he picks up Aaron Donald. But I think of all the offensive players, if you give him all the offensive players, I believe McCaffrey, not just the fact that he's white, being the Patriots always have white guys. That helps. Yeah. But 
McCaffrey <laughs> is the guy that he can line up at tailback yep. and carry it 27 times mm-hmm. against Houston. Mm-hmm. He can line up at slot receiver or against the Texans. I think he had eight catches and, and catch 10 catches a game. Yeah. He can lay out. He can he can jump over people and moss people. He can jump over people. A little flip he can yesterday. run from people. He can flip over people in the end zone right. like it's nothing. I've seen him stiff arm people mm-hmm. to the ground. He looks much stronger and much more agile this year. He, he's loosened his hips up. He's a much better player His now. acceleration where he jumps and lands and can immediately pick up. Mm-hmm. So you owe me $10 for this take. You owe me a money. So. Oh, you a monies? Well, you bought the take for $10. It's oh, not, yeah, I'll, it's I'll take a, that. I, for the, you're selling him cheap but I'll take that. Running backs are cheap these days. They are. I'll take that. But I look at Christian McCaffrey, and when he comes up for a contract, I think he's going to blow it out of the water because he's not just a running back, but he needs to be paid like a bell cow, but also a slot receiver. Because, look, I— It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. No, you're not—I'm not arguing with you. I wish it did because I think that he is so special— and I remember me going through it and when I was playing. And I didn't have as many carries as he had. But only thing that offensive, especially when it comes down to pay for you, they're saying, well, you're running back. What's your rushing yards look like? Fortunately enough for him, he has the rushing attempts and the yards. So he looks good in that situation. But if you're talking about an offense and your offensive coordinator, this is the exact guy that you're looking for. Before you look for a big-time receiver, this is the guy that you want because this is the guy that now – when he's in the game, defenses have no clue whether it's a run or pass. And even if they know it's a run, he can run inside, outside. He has speed. He can make it. He can break away. He can flare out of the backfield. You can put him in motion and, and, and have him lined up against the safety. This is the perfect weapon, the perfect weapon that every team wants. We've seen it a lot throughout the years. Marshall Falk kind of Falk comes to memory, yes. comes to mind just a bit. Um, there's so, a bunch of other guys. So that think done about it. this: in the 2017 draft, Juju came in, mm-hmm. and when you look at his stats, he had 80 catches in the first year, 107 catches in the second year, right. uh, and then 31 thus far. It's impressive, right? Yeah, because those weren't fucking Juju stats. I just read you Christian McCaffrey's stats the first three mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. 80 catches in year one, 107 catches in year two, and he has back. 31. Yeah. We're talking positionless. Yeah. I didn't mean to fuck around with you like that. Yeah. I just did that really yeah, I like that. I like but that. at the same point, he has – so he has 2,100 rushing yards in his career thus far, and he has 1,800 receiving yards thus far. So in, in, in two and not even a half years, that's nearly 4,000 yards, Brian Westbrook. Yeah, he's been impressive. If you watch the games – He's the best player on the field by Every far. Time. Every by time. By far. Most explosive player on the field by far. He's become much more shifty. Dalvin I mean, Cook is the only, and Saquon when he's uh, healthy, are the Dalvin, only guys. Dalvin has looked pretty, pretty Dalvin good. has looked Dalvin really, has really looked good. Yeah, he's looked great. But the thing about Saquon. But is I'd Saquon, rather have McCaffrey. Saquon has looked really good. The problem, not even not the problem, I just, they don't displace him as much. So he's not as right. much of a receiver right. as either one of those guys. But. Hey, I hope McCaffrey's got a good agent. I just hope that because he, stays he needs healthy. to get that's, that non-running back money. That's just, it's just hard to do these days, but it, he and should. He deserves that, it. He's playing like ninety-nine percent of snaps. He deserves it. I don't know Ugh. who his backup is. That's because he's playing ninety-nine percent of the snaps. Reggie Bonifant yeah. came in. And, I mean, he actually ran well, and he yesterday. had a touchdown, yeah, like a six-yard well. touchdown. I yeah. covered him in Louisville. He was a quarterback. Did you? So what's really funny is when you look at how the Carolina Panthers built up this team. Curtis Samuel, mm-hmm. short, shifty guy. Everyone's like, is he a real wide receiver? Doesn't matter. Put right. him in that offense. Yep. DJ Moore, oh, he's explosive, but is he a wide receiver? 
put them in that offense. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of these weird parts that can all work. And I and I look at Carolina. I'm a little bit biased. I bet the Carolina over. I bet them to win the division. <laughs> but I look at what they've done these last three weeks where it's you beat Houston in Houston. You beat Jacksonville at home and Jacksonville's coming off a win where they just went into Denver and That's won. Right. That's right. Carolina is getting it done right now. They're playing well. They're playing well. Defense has been playing pretty doggone good, too. Did you see the Mason Rudolph injury yesterday? I, I, I kind of watched a clip of <sighs> Man, it. Man, that was it's, scary. It's, it's hate to see that. I hate to see that. I mean, again... When I go, I go to the Eagles game every week, right? And so every, quarterbacks need to wear a mouthpiece, man. Well, they should, of course. They get he got rocked on the chin. If he had a mouthpiece, I don't think he goes out like this. That. Game is such a vibe. I mean, I played the game for nine years, and obviously, I played in high school and college before that. When I go to the games, it scares me the the physicality of football. It's right so now. fast. It's so fast, so physical, and especially with guys getting hit in the mouth, getting hit in the face, getting hit in the head. That's just scary. I dealt with concussions uh, my last couple years, and who knows how many before that. Um, it's scary to see these guys go out like that. I just hope that they are willing to take care of themselves enough to not come back until they're completely healthy, number one. Um, I did a little research, and I'm a little bit worried um, about the rest of the NFL. I'm seeing something spread that has become more dangerous than locusts. Uh, this thing uh, are locusts dangerous? I oh. just mean like it can. It's 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 dangerous? it's a it's a spreadable measles. Spread. Uh, uh, locusts don't spread. What are you talking about? Okay, the measles. Yeah, All right, I didn't build this up right. Yeah, okay, keep going. When you play the Patriots, worse than mono. Sure, Man, that's spreadable. Sure. Yeah. When you play the Patriots mm-hmm. and Bill Belichick, your franchise is not the same after it's done. I'm going to take you back in time. Let's go to the playoffs last year. Okay. The Chargers come in 7-1 on the road, ready to take on the Patriots. The Patriots pound the Chargers so hard Mm -hmm. that the Chargers are now off to such a bad start, and the one thing that everyone's done is they've run all over them. The Patriots show your weakness. Yeah. Then they go out there and they play the Chiefs. And after the Chiefs lost last night to the Colts, Patrick Mahomes said they did the same thing that the Lions did, which was to uh, have their front four and then play man-to-man across. That's right. right. And who did that first? The Patriots. Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. They show the way to beat you. The Rams, they go into the Super Bowl and they score three points. And now no one's falling for the play action. They're forcing the Rams to run against them. Why? Because Belichick shows the way to beat you. This season, they explode. They exposed the Steelers' defense on the, in the slots, and they pretty much ended Ben Roethlisberger's career as his last game. The Dolphins switched to, to Rosen. They got rid of Fitzpatrick after that game. After they beat the Jets, uh, Jamal Adams, the supposed leader of that team, went into a tailspin, canceling his radio show because everything was exposed. The Bills, it's the only loss of the season the Bills have had thus far, but clearly the Buffalo Bills have an antidote, and they're the only team that is used to it, and the Redskins, Jay Gruden gets fired. When you play Bill Belichick, they are so pure in their success that all of your masked bullshit comes to the (laughs) forefront. The Patriots expose your weakness, and then everybody else hops on like hyenas to eat the flesh. Yeah, the NFL is a copycat league. That makes sense. And and Belichick gives the blueprint. And Belichick says, okay, what's the the thing that they don't want to do? 
Oh, they want to. They want to throw. The, they don't want to throw the ball to the slot receiver. Okay, let's make him throw the ball to the slot receiver. The only person they can throw it to is a slot receiver. That's what he does. He forces you to do the things that you absolutely is the last resort. Yes. The things that you want to do. So all the things you think you do good, you run the ball good. Okay, we'll put a hundred guys in the box. We'll stop your run. Oh, you want to throw it to your number one receiver? Guess what? We'll double team him the entire game the entire and make game. you figure it out. Yes, that's what they do good. And then, oh, by the way, in situations they say, you know what? We'll just change everything at halftime. Well, everything that we did well at, at the first half, we'll change it. Or we're on the sideline. You know what? These guys are doing well at this situation. We'll we'll play an entirely different defense. I mean, just imagine we played the Super Bowl against the the Patriots. We're going into the game preparing for a three four defense all week long for two weeks. I don't forget it. For two weeks, we go into the game saying they're going to play a three four. They come out in the four three. Damn. Rocked our world. Like, hold on, time out. Everything that you've done is for nothing. Everything that we've thought that was going to happen for the last two weeks, they changed it. Not that we weren't, you know, we weren't, we, we couldn't handle it. But at the same time, it's totally different. So your mindset as being comfortable, as I tell you, NFL players want to be comfortable, it's gone. You're like, well, time out. This is not what we practice again. We want the scout team to get back out there, show us the looks that we want you to play. Yes. They're going to do the complete opposite, and I think you're absolutely right. Once one team exposes you, especially the Patriots, teams are like, you know what? The Patriots did this, that, and the other. We may not have the same personnel, but we're definitely going to try to scheme. And everybody has certainly tried it, and I think you're absolutely right. I, I was tweeting out like everybody else after the Sunday night game about during the Sunday night game about how Patrick Mahomes is incredible. That one run, where that one throw where he yeah. rolls right, yeah. it, he does things we've never throw, seen right? before. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened was because they lost to the Colts after the game, everybody was like, "Oh, this didn't age well. Mahomes is mortal, all that stuff." And you know what I thought? If any other quarterback went out there and lost a guard during the game, and one of his top two receivers was Byron Pringle, mm-hmm. they'd go, oh, he was up against a stacked deck. And and look, Kelsey's my guy. Kelsey probably had one of his worst games in a Dropping long time. Dropping Dropped a few, and, and right. that doesn't happen. But for you to say that about Mahomes, yeah. when I watch the game, and he drives down the field by himself after he gets his ankle stepped on mm-hmm. and puts them in a position to to score a field goal and then go down again, I have no fear about the Kansas City Chiefs. They are going to be fine. Because you know what they don't have right now? Tyreek Hill. And let me tell you something about Tyreek Hill. Oh, I know that you love me, Cole Hardman, no. and I love that Demarcus Robinson's burst on the scene. And nice there's a touchdown for Byron Pringle. When I talk to people on the Chiefs, they say that Tyreek Hill is a different level. Mm-hmm. I'll every now and then I'll text somebody and I'll go, "Hey, is this guy faster than Tyreek Hill?" And they laugh and they <laughs> laugh. They are missing the. If I know that I came out and said Christian McCaffrey is the best weapon in the sport, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill might be too. In terms of you can play him at running back, you can play him at wide receiver, and this whole let's play man to man thing Doesn't, can't happen. Good luck. There's nobody can do it. Good luck. Yeah. So let me just say that everybody that's enjoying the Chiefs losing, and I get it. It's nice when the undefeateds fall off. Mm-hmm. At the same point, when Tyreek comes back, you better watch your fucking face. Here, here's my concern. Not because of the off-the-field stuff. Here's my concern for Kansas City. Losing at home. And you know what we talked about. Yeah. It. The, the home field advantage is different. Yeah. So but the Patriots are going to have home field advantage no matter what. Yeah. But – it concerns me that their defense is still so leaky. That that's a big time. Concern so when I me. when I'm watching the game last night, it said Chris Jones uh, got hurt midway through the yeah, game. Yeah, well, Chris Jones like, oh, is a fucked. beast. 
Yeah, but he's a beast. Th- and that's the problem with the Chiefs is they're like I look at the Saints and I, I talk about them every week about how deep their defensive line that's is. Right. The Raiders and, and the the rotation mm-hmm. they can do. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are a lot like the Eagles, where I go, I don't see any depth. And so if Fletcher Cox went down, they're over. They're over. Yeah. That's what happened to the Chiefs with Chris Jones. And they and it's it's a little bit scary that lack of depth. Two things. Chris Jones, obviously, they can't stop the run and they can't run. And I, I know Mahomes is magical. Yeah. I just know that at some point in the season, you're gonna have to run the football when the other team knows that you're gonna run. And Andy Reese teams just haven't been able to have that consistent run game. This is that surprises me. This is the time of the year where Andy like punched the whole. The, the, I gotta stop using those metaphors. Where Andy Reid came out in the beginning of the year and his game plans were perfect and his offense was able to do whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then this is the time of the year where it starts to you know it's a little, yeah. it starts to get to the twenty four to twenty ones mm-hmm. instead of the thirty seven to twenty ones. Of course, and you need that balance. What was it like to experience that firsthand? It's it's terrible because. You, you know, as a as a football player, you're saying, what can I do to help the team? If you want me to block 60 times a game, I'll do that. I don't care. But also, I also feel like you need to be able to run the ball. Then that's the upsetting part. Question. Because you're like, Andy, just run it. Oh, we have good players. We have a really good offensive line. We have a good running back. And defense are only playing five guys in the box because we throw the ball every play. We probably should just try to run it. How about that? How about we try to do that? I have a – might be a dumb question. Before the year, Andy Reid said that Eric Bieniemy is going to be calling the plays. And my dumb question is, why do we keep calling this an Andy Reid offense? Why are we not saying this is Eric Bieniemy and and giving him credit for what's what they've been able to well, do thus far? You know why? Because he 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 made the offense. He also he he diagrammed it. He comes up with the plays. Eric Bieniemy might be calling the plays, and I don't know that hundred percent of the time. Uh, Bieniemy is the one with the headset. And I think on and, no, I think but, and I and I was with Eb for a long time. He's a good dude. Very very smart. Great uh, thought process guy for football. So I, I'm not concerned with him calling the plays. But and and weird part about it, he's an old running back. And they're still not running the football. That's why I'm asking. So I think think Andy does that for a couple different reasons. My honest opinion is that he understands that offensive coordinators get jobs when their offense does well. And he's trying to get his guy a job. So I I think that's kind of his gift to Eric Bieniemy, in my opinion. But I also think that Andy is the orchestrator of this offense. He wants it to be 80-20. He wants to be 80% pass, 20% run. Again, you have that guy underneath center, you can have it that way. I'll tell you this. There are times in November December – you're going to have to be able to stop the run and run the football. They can't do either one. That was always my fear of rooting for an Andy Reid team, was knowing that we were going to get to the playoffs like a game against the Saints, and they were just going to pound us. Yeah. And, and it's the most helpless feeling that you can have. Well, if you can stay on the field, which the Colts were able to do well, The Colts were on the field, I think it was— I want to say, well, 37 in 37 minutes and 15 seconds to 22 minutes and 45 seconds. Even more than that, if you look at the second half— because I looked this up this morning, I believe the Chiefs had the ball for seven minutes total in the second half. Well, the, the time disparity in the second half was twenty-two thirty-one for the Colts, seven thirty for the Chiefs. It's and and it's weird. When I mean, you think about, it, just look at. But the, also, hold on. This is not just a Chief issue. The Indianapolis Colts offensive line and Quentin Nelson. Yeah. If you sent me above the wall to fight White Walkers, I want the Colts. You want those boys? Line. Yeah. Because yeah, those are the guys. The the best thing about Quentin Nelson is this: Naheem Hines, who I think is Brian Westbrook 2.0 for the Colts, really, really good. So out of NC State, fast, quick, has shifty. a spin move, gets a huge first down in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know the only person that was there to pick him up, 
Quentin Nelson. Dude ran like 30 yards. Quentin Nelson is out there in a tank top in the winter. Quentin Nelson is out there in full face paint. Mm -hmm. What happens is, is if you guys remember back to the draft in which Quentin Nelson went sixth, there was a lot of rumors that they're going to go middle linebacker because this defense sucks. And they were thinking they might go Roquan Smith. They might go Tremaine Edmonds or Terrell Edmonds. Tremaine. And they ended up taking Quentin Nelson at six. Mm Mm-hmm. And what that has done for that franchise has been seismic. It has, in my opinion, lifted up the work ethic of everybody else on that team. But when you have an offensive lineman that can move people, like Chris Collinsworth was talking about, two gaps every play. Changes things. It's insane. Well, it makes Marlon Mack look like a... A superhuman at the running back position where a couple years ago you'd be like, ah, is Marlon Mack the guy? It you gives don't know. Jacoby Brissett, who takes a little bit more time than most, more time in the pocket. The Absolutely. And he instills fear on the defense every time he plays. You know, there was times yesterday, I'm saying, that the Chiefs just get some pressure. Just get around the quarterback, affect them. Couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Can't get there. Couldn't Frank get there. Clark couldn't do anything. No. Who was the nastiest offensive lineman, not just that you've ever played with, but that you saw on the field? The nastiest offensive lineman was Larry Allen. That's the guy that everyone in. And I remember seeing him. <laughs> this is funny. We were at the Pro Bowl, my first time at the Pro Bowl. And so this is my first time really being around these guys. And so I was at out front waiting on my car to come. Larry Allen and Lincoln Kennedy get out of this Lincoln, this big old car. And both of them had to be 350 plus. I don't know. Lincoln might have been four. The car's like, it's it's on the ground, on the ground. But it was the way I practiced. And Larry out. Allen, one of the coolest dude ever, uh, dipping his sock, just just nasty. That's what you want in the offensive line. Yeah. Some I don't care what I and look like. I'm spitting and, and I'm Quentin nasty. Nelson. That's what you want. Quentin Nelson that's is. What you want. Quentin Nelson is not only do I not need these sleeves, I don't need the entire sides of this shirt. No. Quentin Nelson is someone that is, I care about winning football games. That's it. Quentin Nelson would do interviews, Brian, and when people would give him credit for turning around the offensive line, he would get angry at mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. because it's not just me. Yeah. Quentin Nelson is, I've never been so certain of a Hall of Famer in his second year. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Stay healthy, young man. Uh, So I went back and I looked at my notes that I was looking at before the season. And I kept talking about this, these teams and how they perform in one score games. Yeah. And how it's not transferable to the next season. And there was a stat where teams that won five more than they lost in one score game. So if you went five and oh, seven and two, six and one, and it goes back in the last 27 times that this has happened, those teams the next year uh, went 89 and 111 in mm. one score games. So the year before, they were 173 and 38. The next year, 89 and 111. Mm. And there were four teams last season that did amazing in one score games. And I say, guess what? It probably won't continue. And I just wanted to say, we're five weeks in. How's it gone so far? The Cowboys, the Rams, the Dolphins, and the Chargers. Thus far in one-score games, Dallas is 0-1. The Rams are 1-1. Miami hasn't been in a one-score game. And the Chargers are 1-3 in one-score games. So thus far, those those four teams that probably want to combine 20-0 or 25-5 are now 2-5 in one-score games. What do you think the reason is? The reason is, is that 
that's just not something that's bankable. I'd like to hear your football reason. Well, they can't ramp it up, back it up. I mean, I think that when you win a one-score game, I'm not saying that um, it's luck, but something has to do with luck. And just sometimes the ball bounces the right way. Yes. And when the ball bounces the right way in one season, it just keeps happening. It's, it's almost just like dropping the ball. It just becomes contagious. You drop one, you might drop three more. It's contagious. When things good things happen for you, they yes. usually just keep happening. The next year, it averages out. And it goes the other way. Always. I mean, it just like it's just like the penalties, and everybody always blames the refs. All oh, the refs hate us. Yeah, they hate you this year, but next year, all the calls may go your way. No doubt. And so it's it kind of just averages its, its way out. That's how football generally is. The 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 one outlier you would say, and I don't have any stats to support this. The one outlier would say that good teams usually aren't in one score games. Usually they're right. they're they're up by ten, they're up by eight, they're up by nine, whatever the, whatever it is. They're usually up, and so they're usually winning by more than one score. So these statistics don't apply to the Patriots. Right. They're winning by 20. All the time. So it's, it's a little bit different. If you're, if you're an average team and you just happen to win by one score, by three points, whatever it is, usually the next year you're, you're probably still average. The ball bounces the other way. One other thing that I saw in my notes was I wrote to a note to myself, don't forget Drew Brees' arm got really tired at the end of last season. But you know what? This injury... Perfect. Might be the reason perfect. the New Orleans Saints are able to go through the playoffs in the Super Bowl it's with perfect. Drew Brees playing at the best he's ever played. It's perfect. He is going to get, let's say, maybe four weeks with him out there throwing by himself, but four to five to six weeks of not putting any game stress on that arm, not wearing it down. And in a weird way, I think that this team is proving to Drew that you don't need to make the crazy throw to carry us right now. Mm-hmm. That Teddy Bridgewater has taken what's been given to him. Yeah. Against Tampa, he hit the shots over the top. Couple, couple, three balls down Against the field, the Seahawks, which is cool. He dumped it underneath because yeah. that's what they gave. Mm-hmm. But this defense and this offensive line. I didn't see a Buccaneer sniffing Teddy Bridgewater last week. Mm-hmm. All we talked about was Shaquille Barrett and all that. The Saints defense injured two Buccaneers offensive linemen yesterday because yep. that's how physical they are. Mm-hmm. We still, though, th- see the Saints and we think of them as this high-scoring team. But through this injury, I think the Saints team has more confidence in themselves, but also... Drew Brees is going to have four to five weeks of non-wear and tear that might carry through the championship game in the Super Bowl that they might not have had last year. Two teams that are playing a little bit different, Green Bay and the, the Saints. They're winning differently. They're playing more to the defense. They're running the ball. Obviously, Green Bay had a yeah. big game from Aaron Jones yesterday. But they're running the ball a little bit more. They're saving their quarterback from having wear and tear. I'm going to give you a stat. I'm glad you brought that up. 2018. Six out of the first eleven, the first eleven games of the season, Drew Brees, Drew Brees is over 250 passes, passing yards, and one interception in the first eleven games. Right? Great. After week eleven, uh, two times, only two. So you're talking about week eleven, all the way into the last two games of the season in the playoffs. He only had two times he was over uh, 250 yards. He had six interceptions every week. From week 11 until the end of the year, meaning the two playoff games, the only week he didn't have an interception was week 15. So not only was his arm tired, he didn't have the yards, but he was also throwing the ball to the other team. So you're absolutely right. This may be the saving grace yeah. for the 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 Saints. On, only if Drew Brees comes back in is the Drew Brees that we knew, and he doesn't start throwing the ball to the other team. The other side of that is that part of a team thought process is, you know what? 
Teddy's pretty playing pretty good, and we're winning with him. And I'm not by any means no, saying that they're not going to go and bring back. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I just need – I also understand that it takes time for a quarterback to ramp his way back up. And sometimes the team starts here because you're, sure. you're building your way up That's with Teddy. That's what Melvin Gordon and then this weekend. It, it may fall back They put Melvin Gordon bit. in that running offense look like shit. But also, the, the coordinator, Sean Payton, may say, we have the old Drew Brees back. And let's go back to the way we were doing it before, and your team might not be built that way because I'll tell you right now, this team is built differently than it was two, three years ago. My only concern about the Saints is they're going to reach a time where they're going to need, I think, a power running game. They don't have that. And Mark Ingram was that, Mm -hmm. and Latavius Murray is not Not that. that. But I do look at the fact that everyone was talking about they don't have a number two wide receiver, but I look at the fact that they have – Thomas, Kamara, and then we saw the rebirth again yesterday of their tight end, um, who I can't fucking remember his name, Jared Cook. Yeah. And I go, three weapons is enough. You can, you can, move, the, uh, you can move it with three weapons and then, you know, get the occasional performances from the other guy. Yeah. But I know that you think that Teddy's earning himself a lot of money right now. Well, I just think that he signed a one-year deal, seven, seven and a half million bucks in March. He is playing himself, you know, really good into a, an opportunity to, to, to get some money this offseason. He's the highest paid backup quarterback in the league right now. But my question is, if you're Teddy and you have this team that you've now played on the Jets, mm-hmm. the Vikings, um, has he been anywhere else? I don't think so. Jets, Vikings. No, I think Jets, that's it. Yeah. But you've seen, you know, a Vikings team where that did not give a fuck about offense. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer cared about the defense, and he looked at Teddy and he said, don't fuck it up. Then you went to the Jets, and you saw how abysmal that was. And now you're in New Orleans. Yeah. And you're sitting in a room with Drew Brees yeah. and Sean Payton. Yeah. And Sean Payton, much like Belichick did to Josh McDaniel, Sean Payton is probably looking at, at, at Teddy Bridgewater and going, listen, Brees has like two years left. You're next. Yeah. Come in and let's continue this shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know that there's going to be other teams that might want to throw money at him, but I don't. Stability in the NFL with a coach like Sean Payton is rare. Rare. Well, who who do you think would go after him? I have a bunch of teams in, you know, just thought process. Miami, you never know. I think Tampa Bay stays with Jameis, but I, I would like. Why would Teddy go to Miami? He's a free agent. You know, he's not a, free, a trade. I, I know, but I'm just telling you, teams that need a quarterback, sure, sure, teams sure. that may be in the market, and you never know what happens. And I'm still not the biggest believer in Teddy. You start throwing around Let's money. You start throwing around a hundred, a hundred million guarantee. That's not happening. Start throwing Teddy's around money. Not getting that. Start throwing around money and All see right, what so happens. So who else? Miami, Chicago, Tampa Bay. I, I'm still kind of fifty fifty on Tampa Bay, Tennessee. Chicago, I mentioned them. Denver. I mean, there's a couple teams out there, four or five teams that I would say he has a legitimate chance of going there, and they throw him some money. Because if, if I'm Teddy, I'm saying, well, you know what? I've kind of waited my turn. I'm turning 27. I'll be a He'll be turning 27 next month. I kind of waited my turn. I don't want to wait two more years. And who's to say that Drew Brees has a good next two years, and then I'll get a chance? Because not only is he getting a chance to play, he's getting a chance to get paid. And maybe when he's 30, maybe nobody wants to pay him. That I think I want my guarantee money now. Who is the way think, I look at it? Who do you think it's going to be harder for to retire, Drew Brees or Tom Brady? Which one of them do you think holds on for the longest? I think Tom holds on more, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Drew has experienced some injuries. And when you get those injuries as you get older, you start to think of your mortality. You also start to think, you know, I could be doing this. And when you're out, 
and I know he's working hard. I know he's doing everything he can rehab-wise. You start spending more time with your family, and you start to like that. And I'm not saying Tom doesn't like his family, but he's when he's playing, he's locked in all day long, 14 hours, 15 hours a day. But when you start spending time with your family, just off the field stuff, you start to like it. Drew Brees has a couple, three little young boys. I'm sure they're playing football, doing a lot of different things. You start to think, you know, this ain't so bad. And when you have that time off, it starts to wear on you a little bit, and you start enjoying that time off. And that's why, because of the injuries, the time off, I think that Drew Brees probably gets out of there a little bit sooner than Tom Brady. Neither of them are going to want to. No, of course not. You know Why would you? If I could have played longer, I absolutely would have. However, I played at a position where, you know, your shelf life, you're getting hit so much. Yeah. If I'm a quarterback and I'm only getting hit two, three times a game, that's nothing. I could take that. That's easy. Easy. Yes. We keep making rules to protect me. Um, easy stuff. Speaking about your Bears, I got yeah. a prediction for you. Uh-oh. Tell me more. I believe that the Bears and their fans are about to enter the tailspin. Ooh. And I think it's going to get really bad. Okay. So they have a bye this week. Okay. After getting pushed around and embarrassed because all I heard last week, Brian Westbrook, was that Chase Daniel was better than Mitchell Trubisky. Every radio show I went on, every TV show I watched, mm-hmm. he's better. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's better than Trubisky, yeah. then that team is royally screwed. Because you know what the Bears are going to watch on their bye week? This is going to set the tone for the misery that's about to come in. The Houston Texans are going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson is going to play Mahomes. The two quarterbacks they passed up on to get Mitchell Trubisky. So that's how they're spending their bye week. Okay? After that, they then go to the Saints. On the war with Warren Sharp, we we dove into the statistics that home teams after a bye are awful. The last two years, they're four and eighteen, twenty-two percent covering the spread. So so we know that teams are bad at home after a bye. That's a surprising number. I mean, that's that's it's because you guys get all fucking cozy yeah. and you eat your fucking chocolate chip cookie dough right. and you look around. And you're like, maybe I just want to quit now. Yeah, that's what you guys do in your bye week, right? Is that what you do? Well, is, is that what you do? Vacation would be nice. You know, smoke a little pancake. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Get a little heavy. Go to Cabo. Absolutely, definitely going to Cabo. Oh, like, and that's what's so funny. And I'm going to get back to the second. But like Jamal Adams, like I I went to Turks and Caicos. Yeah, we fucking saw. Uh huh. Of course you did. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, have a the great time. middle of the season. Yeah, think about that. But, so they, they have the bye week. They watch Mahomes and Watson. Right. Then they face the Saints, who I believe is the best team in the NFC at home. Okay. Then they host the Chargers, who have, who have over the last few years, been a better road team than a home team Shocking. and are going to be desperate. I'm shocked by the Chargers. Then they right. go to Philadelphia. Lost. Then they host the Lions. Lost. Then at the Rams, who are going to want revenge for their loss last year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then the last four games for the Bears. Cowboys, Cowboys and Chiefs at home, yep. Packers and Vikings on the road. That's right. It was tough. The regression Bears are finishing this year with seven or eight wins. The Bears, I think they they thought that they were going to have a running game to support the quarterback. They don't have that. They thought their defense could carry them the entire way. And, and they've done a pretty good job thus far. But at some point, every defense, I don't care how good they are, if your offense can do nothing, they're going to get tired. And we're seeing their offense look bad. And not only – not only here's the thing. If offensively, if you could just punt every time, every possession, let's say you have 12 possessions in the game, you score 10 points of touchdown on one possession of field goal. And the other, 
you know, it's the 11 possessions, other nine possessions you punt, and you have a good defense, you'll win. They're turning the ball over. Chase Daniel, throw the ball to the other team. If you do that, you can't win. I don't care, especially with a bad offense like this. With a great defense, you can't win. And we're seeing it right here, and I think you're absolutely right. The it doesn't thing, go better. It doesn't get better for the other team. thing is this. They also had the kiss of death in terms of offseason awards. They won coach of the year. Yeah. And I I don't know if they won executive of the year. Nah. But when you win that award, those coaches always like it doesn't work out. A well, few years later, it's so funny. Well, guess what happens to those coaches, especially the way Matt Nagy and that offense kind of took a lot of teams by surprise. All offseason, every team in their division, every team that's going to play them this year are trying to figure out how to stop them. That's what they're doing. And now the little trick plays with Tariq Cohen, guess what? Those don't work anymore. No. Getting the ball to your quarterback, and, and uh, nope, those don't work anymore. And not only that, they traded all of their draft picks for Khalil Mack. Yeah. Which means all of their future they is no gone. Future. And no future. It's high pra- high price players that mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to keep. The Bears had to win this year. Had to. Because of the way that their contracts are set up and the structure of the team. Right. They're going to reach a point soon, and I believe they're going to have to be the team that when Trubisky comes up, they go, we can't give you that big deal. We're not built that way. Well, not only are you not built that way, Trubisky just hasn't been good enough. No, and yeah, they're going to have all the reasonings. Yeah. Uh, of the other games, um, Cowboys-Packers. Mm. Cowboys, we now look at their first three wins. Giants, Washington, Miami. For we now look at their last two losses. Yeah. Green Bay and New Orleans. And sure, the Cowboys put up 24 points, whatever it was. But really, the game was already in hand. Mm-hmm. It was already like 24 to nothing. That defense that I believe was going to be really, really good got ran all over. I'm shocked by that because I think they have two, three of the best linebackers, two, at least two of the best linebackers in the league. I'm not going to include Sean Lee in this. That, that shocked me. That Van Der Esch and Smith, where, where were they at? Filling the wrong holes, overrunning uh, the, the running backs. It shocked me that a team in the Packers, who haven't really been able to run the football all you know season what? long, I'm such an idiot. ran the ball down I didn't their think throat. about this. You know what team ran all over the Cowboys last year? The Tennessee Titans. And well, who was the offensive coordinator? Matt LaFleur, who's now the head coach of the Packers. If you remember, the Titans came out there and beat the shit out of the Cowboys 28-14, to and Mariota and Derrick Henry were everywhere. But, 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 the Titans were set up to run the football. This team, the Green Bay Packers, are not set up to run the football. I, they haven't been able to run all season. I had the Packers win in the North, and they are performing at a level that this is exact. I mean, you go into Dallas without Devontae Adams. That's right. And Aaron Jones, who mm-hmm. this fan base has goes been off. begging to be featured, goes off. Aaron Rodgers is still sidearming it, fucking hitting tight right. ends on wheel routes. And the Smith brothers were back at it again. Mm-hmm. All over the place. Man, the Packers. Who, who, who got hurt? Preston Smith got hurt a little bit? Zadarius was cramping up he the entire cramping. second half. Yeah, he kept, and kept going in and out. You know, I, I'll say this. Good way to get FaceTime. I, yeah, he got a lot of FaceTime, all in Dak's face. I, speaking of Dak, now that I'm thinking about it, isn't it terrible that they put him in this situation, that Jerry Jones has handled this thing completely wrong? I mean, I would argue that he's actually done a great job of negotiating. I think that this is Because terrible. everybody wanted to give a deal after the fucking Giants game. I'll tell you why it's terrible. Jerry said, because I, I as a player, and Dak can say whatever he wants. He's thinking about this contract. Every game, don't get hurt. And don't mess up. Mm. That's no way to play. 
Dak has to be thinking about this. Well, if I play good, then I'm probably going to get more money. And if I play bad, I'll get less. So now everybody last week, the first three games, everybody's saying he's 36, 37. Back up 40. Brinks, yeah, Bradley, get as much money as you can. And now they're saying, oh, 25, 24, 20. I mean, they're going down. So this is type the this is the type of pressure that you don't want. I remember I was going through a negotiation with Andy Reid and Joe Banner throughout the season. In every game, you're like, first of all, at the quarterback position, there's a different different level of pressure on you every single week. In every game, it ramps up more and more. Dak has to be feeling it, especially with them losing their last two games. He has to be feeling it. This team has put him in an unwinnable position because they won't either pay him or say, you know, we're going to talk about it end of the season. Not because you're going to win. Yeah, they and never. Lose. They haven't even said we'll talk about it at the end of the year yet. This is a bad position for this football team. Because you need Dak to play well. And the pressure of, you know, continue to evolve as a player and the pressure of this contract has to be weighing on this kid. That's a terrible position for the quarterback. Oh, and by the way, guess what? They can't run the ball anymore because their offensive linemen, you got two or three of them hurt every single week. Remember two weeks ago when you gave the Eagles a .5%? Yes. And I, we were both down on them. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys were three and zero, and they looked they good were running away. We we weren't being Eagles, real with their competition. Eagles were one and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just the, my my one thing is is that we overreacted to those three wins. And and but I want to say this about NFL fans: it's the most overreacting league in all of sports. They play once a week. It's sixteen games. The sample sizes are small, mm-hmm. and every week we crown people and we kill them, and we don't think about perspective. Yeah. We were, and when I say we, I mean like football fans. Football fans were killing Kirk Cousins after the Chicago game. Of course. Yet they were playing in Chicago mm-hmm. against the Bears. Yeah. yeah. People, the reporters felt the need to question Deshaun Watson and his ability to throw deep because they lost to the Panthers. The very next week, <laughs> Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen dial up 150 plus yards. That's right. The very next week, DeAndre Hopkins completes all those passes mm-hmm. to Fuller and Hopkins, and they put up 53 points. And we, great and, but everyone goes back into this and doesn't even acknowledge what they said the week before. Yeah, It's fucking crazy. No. This is a matchup league. That's the beauty of the league, though. And that's the beauty of being a fan. That every week, you can say, you know what? I hate my team right now. They lost to Miami Dolphins. And next week, you go, oh, I love these guys. They beat the Green Bay Packers. That's the beauty of the league. That's the beauty of our game. One game a week, and you have all week to dissect it, to, to be on, to be off. You start on Monday, you say, I hate them, and by Friday, you love them again. That's the beauty of our game. So if we care about context, um, would you agree that the Dolphins are bad? Yes. Would you agree that the Jets with Luke Falk are bad? Terrible. Would you agree that Washington is bad? Absolutely. Would you agree that the Steelers' defense has really been disappointing? Looks terrible. Okay. We need to have a real talk about the Patriots. Because that's who the Patriots have faced. Mm -hmm. And the Patriots uh, have the easiest schedule in the NFL. It only gets easier. They face the Giants at home on Thursday night. Then they go Back to Luke Falk to play him. Um, they still have another game against the Dolphins this year. My thing about the Patriots is right now we are talking about how they are the greatest defense that the world has ever seen. And frankly, it's unbelievable. And the statistics and how they're holding people to like six points a game is absurd. I just want to read this because I was thinking about this last night and I'm curious what you think, Brian Westbrook. 
The the quarterbacks they faced have been Luke Falk, mm-hmm. Colt McCoy, Bad. who had little to no prep and did not throw in a, a a pass in a preseason game beforehand. They played half a game of Matt Barkley and mm-hmm. Josh Allen threw a few picks. Too bad. And they played Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they played Ben Roethlisberger, who like did not look right at all in, no, in that game. Not comfortable. This defense, are we overinflating them a little bit? I think that normally we could say that we're overinflating them, right? But you always got to give that team I know. up there I know. the benefit of the doubt. I, th- I think defensively, they got some good players. They're amazing. I mean, they got some players that can go linebacker on every level. Linebacker, defensive line, and secondary. So I, I don't think that we're overinflating them. I think that by simply saying because they beat these teams on this schedule that they're the greatest thing on earth, I think that's a little bit much. I think that they have some huge flaws. Luke Falk. Matt Barkley. Yeah, these are just average quarterbacks. These are just These guys. are not average quarterbacks. They're just, okay, they're just guys. These are guys that shouldn't be on roster. They're just guys. So they're just guys. So they haven't beat anybody as far as the strength of their schedule. However, they've also shown throughout that time that, yeah, we're going to just not just barely win. We're going to run through you, which we thought the Eagles should have done yesterday. And clearly they didn't look as crisp as I think we, sh- we right. all thought they should have been, especially offensively. I think the Patriots are special. I think they have special players defensively. I think offensively, they're going to have some issues. I think that Tom Brady shows has shown a little age. I think their offensive line has been decimated by injury. Tom Brady has reached a point, and this is not a knock on Tom Brady. He has every reason to do this. When Tom Brady has pressure right in his face, yeah. he, he falls. Yes, and, and you know what? I get it because in his mind – we're the Patriots. If it's third and 12, we'll still find a way to pick it up. And no, what, what he said, that's, he's saying that. He's also saying, you know what? It's better to have me in this game than anybody else. And even if I take this sack, it's better to have me than to anybody else. And I'm this important to this football team. And he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. So, yeah, the same, really, we watched Eli do it for what, 15 years. Yeah. But yeah, a little different comparison there. But I, 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 that's why I've, I'm just seeing people talking about the statistics of the Patriots. And it's just something that Warren kind of spotlighted to me last year where people were talking about how good the Titans were. And then you looked at, like, which quarterbacks the Titans actually faced. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's just an incredible situation where you you just you luck into this schedule that you keep facing these, like, quarterbacks that are backups, and it inflates the perception of your defense. Well, it, you, you got to look at over the course of time. Playing in the AFC East, I mean, it's pretty. It feels good to be the Patriots it's incredible. because you know you got six games where you're going to win at to least me, five. To me, it's a chicken and egg. Are the have the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins been bad because the Patriots have like embarrassed them every year, or are they just bad franchises that have helped out the Patriots? Well, I think they're bad franchises that have, have helped out the Patriots, but I, I would like to see the stats on how many coaches those teams in that division have gone through since 2001. How many coaches have you gone through in the last 42. 18 years? I mean, that's crazy. I just I mean, made that, that, that That's a crazy amount, but that's probably right. Anything else you want to get out on this Monday? What else? This what else Tuesday? is going on? I got a bunch of notes about everything, man. You can always save them for Wednesday. I'll save them for We're Wednesday. We're going to have a pretty good guest on Wednesday. We had a little surprise guest. You like you like surprising me. Isn't it fun? It's kind of kind of yeah. a, a little surprising. You don't I like, like surprises? Surprise. I don't like surprise birthdays. I just don't like uh, saying the guests before they come because then if they don't show up, people yeah, will be Yeah, then it'll be disappointing. We'll talk about my my NFC teams. 
later. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait till perfect. Because the yeah. guy that's going to come in is a big time shit talker. Yeah, good, good. We'll talk about my NFC teams that I think have a chance still at the Super Bowl. Okay. There's not a lot of them. There's some. There's not a lot. All right, B West, let's go, man. Hey, if you ever see me eating candy, yell at me. Why? No, I want you to be fat, man. I like I like the chubby you. I like that. It's cool. What? You're, you feel chubby though, right? Oh, big time. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. fucked up that you you pretty much are like you're chubby. You feel I, that listen, way, right? there needs on every good show, there needs to be a skinny guy, that's me, and a chubby guy. And well, that's then you. we're gonna be two skinny guys. I, 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 I'm happy for you though. Actually, it's gonna be a jacked guy, me. You can jack a skinny guy, you. You can if you if you start getting too jacked, I'll start lifting more. But I don't I don't want to do that. And we just become two meatheads. Just just in here curling weights and. That's an interesting take. Yeah, man, keep doing that. Okay. Meet you at the gym. That's the gun meat, show. That's your meathead yes, sound. Yes, that's it. good. That's it. All right, play the music. <laughs> uh, for Brian Westbrook, the Rocket Man. Nice. Like On that? the L E F K O E man. And you know what? Send us in some weird questions for the round table on Wednesday. Yeah. Ingber's really good at coming out with them. But if you guys have some, when I read it, I'll read the name of who put it in there too. So hit us up at Left Go Show. For Westbrook, I'm Left Go. I'll let y'all later. <laughs>